Welcome to the first episode of Wavecast, the official podcast of the Fisheries and Marine Institute of Memorial University. Today we're diving into the behind the scenes of an exciting Arctic science expedition that has been instrumental in the work of researchers at MI, including Dr. Jonathan Fisher and Dr. Maxime Geoffroy, as well as many students and their research, including my own. I've done five trips to the Arctic now. I did three in my master's and two in my PhD. And this year, my goal is to collect fish to study their stomach contents using DNA. And the hopes is that I can better understand the role of gelatinous plankton or jellyfish in their diet. But I wasn't alone in this feat. And there were many of us that had many research questions and goals for this Arctic season. The Amundsen is a Canadian Coast Guard vessel that performs icebreaking operations in the Gulf of the St. Lawrence and the Saguenay Fjord in the winter, and in the summertime, it turns into an Arctic science vessel that takes researchers to the Arctic. This vessel is really cool because it was built in 1979 and was then modernized extensively into an Arctic research vessel in 2003 and then renamed the Amundsen. For those of you that are interested in this, I know that my dad always asks me these specs. So here are a couple things that are cool about it. The ship itself is 98 meters. There are 22 laboratories, 40 scientific berths, 40 Coast Guard berths, one helicopter, two Zodiacs, and one barge, and then all of these 65 scientific operations, so there are enough fuel and provisions for those people on board to stay at sea for 100 days. I would love to know what kind of fruits and vegetables are left after 100 days. With our team, we're responsible for doing all of the fish and zooplankton sampling, and the overarching theme of our research is to first find the biological activity using acoustics and then deploy our nets to see what those fish are and measure them in size. So the idea with our research is to keep going back to the Amundsen every year so that we can really have this fine-scale resolution of what these fish and zooplankton communities are doing in every single one of these pockets of the Canadian Arctic. We use five different kinds of nets. So we use a bottom beam trawl that samples fish on the seafloor. We use a midwater trawl that samples fish in the twilight zone in the pelagic water column. We have three different kinds of zooplankton nets that sample different types of zooplankton communities at different parts of the water. What we do on the ship, and because we've been there for so long, we usually need a team of about three people on each leg. There could be five in a year, and each leg is 28 days. So we need three people to be available for 28 days for at least one of those legs in an entire year. And this year was really exciting because we got to go to the 82nd, I think how you say it would be 82nd parallel. Uh, specifically, it was 82 degrees north, which is the furthest north that any Canadian Coast Guard vessel of that class has been. And I understand those are a lot of words to make it a record, but for me, it was a record. We also explored many areas that hadn't been sampled this year, let alone chartered before. Uh, we explored the Norwegian Bay, which we'd never done Uh, any fish sampling there, Fox Basin, which was just recently sampled a few weeks ago, as well as the Lincoln Sea, where we had that last multi-year sea ice area. And there are so many different aspects to consider when we plan these research expeditions, not only from the student level and the research and the PI level, but also from this organization called Amundsen Science. And Amundsen Science was established 20 years ago 
So Amundsen Science rents out the ship from the Canadian Coast Guard, and then the Amundsen is the one that takes us. So the Coast Guard are the drivers, the Amundsen Science are the planners, and then the researchers are collaborating with Amundsen Science in order to create the plan of what's going to be accomplished in a given year. And to talk about what goes on behind the scenes with this research planning, I chatted with my lab mate, Jennifer Herbig, who has sailed on the Amundsen three times now, who is also doing her PhD in fisheries science and technology, but she's studying Arctic cod movement and abundance in the Canadian Arctic. So this year, you got to be part of the planning and preparation of the Amundsen cruises. Um, so you got to go to Quebec City this year to be part of that. Can you just tell me a little bit about um, how they plan the stations for these cruises? Who gets priority? What gears go first? Where the ship can even go? And so it's a it, there's a lot of work that goes into this because it's so many different researchers. They all have so many different priorities and things that need to get done. And it's a really, um, it's kind of a, you know, once every year thing and it's hard to get up there. So they, they really want to take advantage of the time they have up there. Um, so there's a lot of planning and time, especially in Edmundson Sciences part that goes into um, planning before we even get to the meeting. There's some online meetings that happen, lots of emails back and forth where everybody's collaborating and talking about their their priorities and what they absolutely need to happen. And then when we got to the meeting, they, everybody's priorities, we're going to do everything. And then we kind of have to be realistic and pare down. And there's a lot of collaboration that goes into who's taking what samples, maybe who can share things and like who's willing to cut things so that other people's priorities can get done. And it's a really big collaborative process. Um, and that's kind of how ultimately the stations get chosen. Um, and then, you know, different research priorities decides like where the ship's going to go. I imagine like a hundred people, a hundred scientists in a room, all like almost like a, like a, like an auction or something like <laughs> eh, the station. Blah, 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 here we go. Going on, it's going to us. Um, yeah. So we do typically, we did go station by station um, and people would say like, yes, I, I absolutely need this. No, I don't. Um, how can we work? you know, this is too much time at the station. How do we work around this type deal? Um, mm -hmm. I don't think there were a hundred scientists there. <laughs> um, I think there were probably like 30 people maybe. But okay. Yeah. And but, it's, a, it's a mix of like PIs, grad students, things like that, mm -hmm. government. It's a really cool environment to see everybody collaborate so well and work really hard to get everything that needs to be done, done. Mm -hmm. Which is then exactly how it ends up going on the ship too, yeah. right? No problems ever. <laughs> no, smooth sailing. Smooth sailing. Is there something um, on the Amundsen, did you see something really cool that you say, oh, I'll remember that for the rest of my life? Um, I think my favorite time on the Amundsen was always the bottom trawls, the beam oh, yeah. trawls, because mm -hmm. I just think it's so cool to see all the diversity of life that comes up because sometimes we're, we're on the water for so long and we don't always see a lot um, up top. But then there's so much life underwater. And I always think it's really cool to catch all the fish and the inverts that are down there. And I love pulling them up and seeing like it's a big mystery what we're going to pull up. And it's always exciting. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that Jenny has seen <laughs> Jenny has seen some beautiful sights. You've seen polar bears. You've seen northern lights. But I like that your answer was about the fish. <laughs> I think you're in the right program. I think yeah. that's good. So I also think what's really important with you to talk about is that you uh, moved to Newfoundland from a warmer place. <laughs> yeah. Did you think that you would be working on Arctic fish when you were living in Florida? Um, nope. I never thought I'd be working in the Arctic. I really, I actually don't like the cold very much. That's true. <laughs> so it was a bit of a surprise to kind of like trade in my flip-flops for some um, 
cold weather fall gear, but. Sorry, you mean steel toe uh, thermal <laughs> Dunlop boots? Yes. <laughs> with good grip. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really, really love the work up there. And I think it is incredible. And I, I love going up there every year. And I can't wait to hopefully continue in the future. This has been one of the cool things about the Marine Institute because we're like a small school and we've often said we're small but mighty. And I think we have a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. to do this really cool field work. You probably have the same thoughts. Yeah, I think the Marine Institute has been a great place to do my PhD. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. What I really wanted to highlight is that the Amundsen is multidisciplinary. It brings together so many different scientists from so many different backgrounds. There's physical oceanographers that are studying the sediments. um, So they're working with the box cores and the gravity cores. We also have what they call the queen of the ship, which is the rosette, which takes all of the the water samples. So those people look for all kinds of chemical properties in the oceans and, and trace elements. They also have people that study contaminants in the atmosphere, as well as also people who look at uh, video footage of the seafloor and characterize those habitats that way. So often when we're in the field, that's where you get the best ideas. And when I was doing my master's, by being out on the Amundsen, I had all these other ideas of things that I could study or things that I thought that were cool in the moment. And why did we catch that fish here? And that fish didn't look like this fish. And so when you're out there, you really feel like a scientist in your brain is just buzzing the whole time because you have so many ideas. This is also true for the master's students that are on board. There was a master's student also in fisheries science and technology, Ashley Oates, who her own project alone is very multidisciplinary. And she uses all kinds of different data that come from different parts of the Amundsen in order to answer her question about northern shrimp. Your research and why I was really excited to talk to you was because your project uh, includes so many different types of data to answer your research questions. So can you talk a little bit about some of the data that you need and sort of all of the workings of your project? My project is very broad. I'm looking at um, all the different drivers of the northern shrimp stocks, and I'm looking at the uh, northern and striped shrimp, which um, they're a part of the same uh, fishery, but they're two different species. They look very similar and I guess they taste very similar. So <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm looking at uh, the hydrobias data. It takes um, different samples of zooplankton at the different layers. Um, while I'm not looking at the different stratifications, I'm looking at the whole water column um, to see exactly what they're eating, if there's enough of it. Um, then also looking at the CTD data, um, uh, which could include, or which includes uh, temperature and salinity for me, um, as well as uh, fluorescence, which is related to the chlorophyll, um, which is another, another thing that uh, drives their productivity. I'm also um, learning how to do acoustics um, to kind of ground truth um, that data because um, acoustics, you can see the different types of biodiversity. Um, so hopefully I can uh, look at what would be the uh, shrimp abundance in the column as well as like different zooplankton. Um, and then I'm using that to uh, create a generalized additive model to um, uh, extrapolate and see if a uh, shrimp fishery up further north uh, would be potential because there's not a lot of... Um, data taken up there, but 
we can use what we have to see if there is um, a potential. So if I understand correctly, then your project really looks at like, if you go from the bottom all the way to the top, you're looking at like the robust, the robustness or the potential for this new fishery. And so what's really cool about your project is that you've taken, you are looking at like the physical oceanography, the physical properties of the water, the temperature, the salinity, da, da, da. And you're looking at like how that influences uh, your zooplankton, which is, of course, you said like the food for northern shrimp. Right. And then you're combining that with acoustics. So really you have a very, um, you have a very well-rounded project and I think you'll be able to answer your research question and and you'll probably also create like a piece of the puzzle for somebody else doing something similar to you in the future. Yeah, I think so. Um, And it would also in the progress, look at the um, sustainability of the current fisheries. So Mm. like that is also important. Um, And I feel like towards the end of my master's, it may open up an opportunity for someone else to maybe do a PhD afterwards or mm-hmm. yeah, it could open up more research questions for maybe future you? research. Maybe me. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe not. Or maybe a job. Maybe a job. Yeah. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> that too. would be lovely. Like when I first got on the ship, I was kind of homesick. Like I was missing my pets and um, like, I was like, Oh, like I can't wait for this to be over. But by the end of it, I was like, I don't really want this to end. So mm. yeah. I think as someone that met you last year, I think that's really cool to hear you say that because I remember when you first got on the ship last year and you were a little bit unsure based on your your background and you hadn't quite done something like this before. And it was really cool to see the progression of you then when I saw you get off the ship. Actually, we, we did that crew change in Resolute. Like you guys had really gelled and it was really cool to see the arc of yeah. everybody on your team, but specifically you because I remember just that first year. Um, so I can only imagine like how much you would have learned and experienced. Yeah, I, it was, it was kind of like jumping in the deep end. Like I, I was, had no choice, but to kind of like step up and, um, yeah, I feel like it was really good for me and brought me out of my shell a bit, I guess, mm-hmm. cause I'm pretty shy. Um, I can be, but, um, this like, like the people were great and I made some great friends and, mm-hmm. um, that's awesome. Well, it sounds yeah. like a success to me. Yeah, it was a great success. Well, thank you so much for chatting, Ashley. This was really interesting. Thank you for having me. The Amundsen is, of course, a place of collaboration, but it's also a place of connection as well. Connection with our peers, connection uh, with other researchers, with other students from other schools, and also people from out of the country even. I think one of the best parts, and I think a lot of us would agree, is that you share your meals with new people every day. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there's always people to talk to and you get to learn about their life and their career paths and about their hobbies and interests. By the end of the 28 days, you formed connections with just about 80 people on board, and that's including the scientists and the crew. And that was true for Gabrielle Perugini, who is another master's student in fisheries, science, and technology, also in our lab group. And she boarded the ship for the first time this year in order to help with this team, even though her own research takes place in coastal Newfoundland, and she studies larval capelin. She shared with me that the days can be really long, but that the morale was really helped by the downtime on the ship, which was often filled with card games, uh, Guitar Hero, and movie nights. (music) 
So this was your first year on the Amundsen, but it wasn't related to your project, but you went because you were asked to help out because we need a team of at least three people to do the fishnets. Yeah. So how was it for you on the Amundsen this year? It was really interesting. So I've never actually studied anything about the Arctic. Um, my project is related to Capelin and um, off like the coast of Newfoundland. So it was really nerve wracking because I've never been in that environment and I've never been offshore for 28 days. So can you describe like what like a day in the life looked like for you on the Amundsen? It was um, you were on all the time sort of thing. It was really cool. Like we'd wake up at, I mean, the schedule is really dependent on what nets we had to do that day. But, you know, you'd wake up, you'd grab a quick breakfast and then you put all of your gear on, strap your harness on, you go up to the front deck and you start your day with nets, which is really nice because a, a lot of the times we got to like go out when the sun was rising and also go out when the sun was setting. So all the time. So all the time, <laughs> which was really, really cool. Like there's some beautiful, beautiful pictures that we got and it was just crazy to be out there like surrounded by just water and it's yeah it's crazy so yeah you would wake up and the first part of the day is all nets which is fun and then after the nets um is when i guess the real fun begins which is taking all of our samples back down to the lab and actually mm -hmm. processes everything so like sorting all the fish sorting all the zooplankton sorting all the jellies like and then catalog cataloging them into the Database. Database. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then like after we would set the nets and deploy them, we would sometimes we'd leave like two people on deck and then one person would go get like breakfast or lunch and then we would have dinners together sometimes. But it wasn't always like with the rest of the crew because we were on for a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. The ship never stops. It never stops. No. And yeah. like the thing is the, the sleep you get on board as like, I hope this isn't discouraging, but it's not <laughs> peaceful because, you know, you sleep for like you, you can nap for about like three hours, let's say, and then you have to be up for the next minute. But you want to make sure that you're up a little before that to see if the schedule has changed. Like, did they move the net a little earlier? Did they move the net a little later? So it's always like you're kind of always on. But when you're surrounded with a lot of people that are doing the same thing, it's 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 really nice to be able to like rely on each other and know that like yeah, this is really tough. This is a lot of effort. This is, you know, not a lot of sleep, but it is like an experience that you're all going through together and like mm -hmm. you get through it together and it's kind of just like a rush all the time. And one thing I will say is mm -hmm. that like, because there's so much structure, because like you're following the schedule day in, day out, it's weird coming back home mm -hmm. and being it's like, true. no one's telling me what to do. Like what, what am I going to do? Or no one's cooking you dinner. Yes. That's the mm -hmm. hardest thing is you always have meals, like whether they're set aside for you or whether like there's just food in the kitchen, you can make yourself like a sandwich or something. Mm -hmm. It's, it's crazy. That was the hardest adjustment is going home and having to cook for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, can you talk a little bit about, um, scheduling like within the scientists like the scientific meetings that they have throughout the whole cruise they would have like catch-up meetings for all the science crew and you know we can talk about things that were working things that weren't working it's kind of nice to have those meetings with everyone because it makes you feel like you're more part of a team like when i first got on the boat we were all mm -hmm. kind of in our own little like isolated like this mm -hmm. this research group does this and and then and then by the end of the end of the cruise when you guys have all spent time together outside of your science like it's nice to be in those meetings and you 
you feel more connected to everyone mm-hmm. because you've all been through like a shared experience. And are there yeah. times where you have downtime? Like what were sort of the activities that people did on board to pass the time? Yeah, we did have some downtime. Like, I mean, not a lot, but here and there between like um, between sampling, we we had some downtime and, you know, it was so fun because you feel like you're a kid again, where you're just like, yeah, there's no parents on board and I can just like mm. play games with all of my friends. And it's mostly like car games. There was a foosball or baby foot. I don't know what mm-hmm. you guys call foosball. it. Yeah. Foosball table. There was darts. There was a bunch of movies that they had on board. And like, you would just go into the lounge and if someone was there, you would, you know, play with them or see what they're up to or people would just read on the couch or, but it's just nice to like be in other people's presence we did play a lot of Guitar Hero. Okay. That's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know that was on the boat. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like overall, like we say that there's lack of sleep and all of these things, but there's also a lot of fun moments. It sounds like you're bonding with all these different people. And by the time you get off, and this is something that Ashley and I were talking about too, you don't even think about the sleepless nights. You no. just think about like all the laughs you shared with people and all the cool people that you've met from all over the world, not just within Canada. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you probably have the same experience. You're all there because you love science. That's like the first bonding step. And then you spend like hours working together and you're like, yeah, this is, you know, this is hard, but it's super fulfilling. That was such an amazing experience. And mm-hmm. I got to learn so much about Arctic species that I had no clue about. And also like field work and, you know, working on a boat, living on a boat and mm-hmm. being in the Arctic. Like I saw polar bears and mm-hmm. orcas, like mm-hmm. orca, who sees an orcas in the wild? Yeah, it's crazy that I'm here. So like just some small town Ontario kid, like I never thought I'd get this experience. I'm super grateful for it. One of the things that my old supervisor would tell me is always like, always, always capitalize when you're a student on anything that you can. When you're out in the field, like when you're out in the workforce and you're not a student anymore, it's a a little harder to get Mm -hmm. those opportunities. Yeah. And specifically too, I want to like shout out to um, the ocean mappers that come out of MI. It's crazy. Like I worked with, uh, and in the ROV program as well, I worked with um, uh, two people. One was in, he was helping with like the ROV piloting and stuff. And another one, she just did her undergrad in ocean mapping. So I think on every leg, there's there's, there's o- like yeah. two or three MI, either alumni MI or like current students. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. You um, are not from Newfoundland. You So can you tell me a little bit about like why you ended up here, how you ended up at the Marine Institute, um, yeah. how you ended up in this project? Yeah, for sure. I know it's crazy. Like I've been doing this for a year now. And if I were to look back at myself, I would not think that I'd be here. But I actually found my master's position on Twitter. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. And somebody had reposted um, this ad and it was actually the day before the ad like uh, expired, closed. Mm. Yeah. And um, I was like, damn, I only have one day to apply. Like oh, but it's in Newfoundland. It's capeling like this fish I've never heard of. And it sounds like a really like cool and applicable project. Like, okay, sure. I'll apply. And I applied literally the last day before the deadline. And uh, I was like, oh, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. And yeah. And then I got an interview and they were like, do you want to come to Newfoundland to study this, this -hmm. little smelt? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I've ne- I know nothing about this fish. Like I'm also using otolith analysis to age the fish. And I was like, damn, I, you know, 
I don't have a lot of experience with that, but like, I'll just try. And mm-hmm. I remember calling you, Eugene. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, yeah, I, I remember found that. you and I reached out and I was like, hey, can we talk? I have some questions. And like a core memory from that is just hearing the wind in the background. Oh, yeah. I, I'd be like, hi. And you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, it's super windy there. So I was like, I'll take the leap. I'll go to Newfoundland. And yeah, I came here and it's been like amazing ever since. It's, be- it's gone by so fast. Thank you so much, Gabby. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It has been a real privilege to work on the Amundsen for now three years and to work in the traditional territories of the Arctic Indigenous peoples. And I'd just like to thank everyone who contributed to a successful sampling season this year, as well as Amundsen Science for making it such a seamless process. And and also to our supervisors, Dr. Jonathan Fisher and Dr. Maxime Geoffroy. If you're interested in learning more about the Amundsen, you can follow AmundsenScience.com, spelled A-M-U-N-D-S-E-N, science.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at AmundsenScience. And if you're interested in some of the visuals of the Arctic, you can follow my accounts, The Science of Interesting, on TikTok and Instagram. We'll see you in the next episode.